we're, we're continuing on in Matthew 8, um, and I feel like before we read, well, let's, let's just pray together first and ask God to open our hearts and minds for this. Uh, Father God, thank you for uh, your word. Um, thankful that it's, that it's living and active and, and sharper than a double-edged sword. So we pray this morning that it will do what it does in our hearts. Um, prepare them, um, and speak to us through your word this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're continuing on in Matthew 8. Let's read uh, through there together. It'll be on the screen. Or if you've got a Bible this morning, you'll actually be at an advantage because I didn't, I didn't put an insert in the bulletin this week, sorry, uh, with all the scripture on it. But it'll be on the screen behind me. Then he got in the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. So... This is a story, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this uh, story, maybe even done the little, what are they, flannel, flannel graph, or what are they called, the, where you stick the, is that what they're called? Yeah. Felt things on a Velcro, I think it's Velcro, felt board. felt board, okay, you probably had the boat and Jesus sleeping and the disciples, and anyway, waves crashing over, it's a story that we've heard growing up as kids, and, and when I first read it, I was, I was, uh, I shared this with my restore group the other night, and I said, guys, let's give me some new perspective on this. Let's talk about this and see what we see. And um, interestingly enough, um, we, we, had, we had some great talk, and, and I took a lot away from that. And then I went a totally different direction when I started preparing for it. So, um, but in this story, we're going to see that the storm uh, was sudden. The storm was big. But the story is not about a storm. And the story's not about fear. It's not even about faith. But this story's going to be about Jesus, okay? A couple of weeks ago, Jen was talking about um, Jesus coming down from the mountain after the Sermon on the Mount, which is where we're picking up is Matthew 8. The Sermon on the Mount was 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and um, the first place he went to, if you, if you didn't hear her talk on this, it was amazing. first place he went to was the outcast, the outsiders, and then the insiders. And he went there intentionally. He went there to heal and cast out demons. But ultimately, it was to show his authority. Ultimately, he was there to show his authority over those things, over disease and over demons. Do you remember what the crowd said at the very end of seven? Some of you, you may remember this. I'll lead, kind of lead you there. But remember what they said about Jesus who, as he was finishing up his teaching, kind of... Um, dropping the mic, so to speak, that uh, they were amazed because he had taught with one, as one with authority, right? Not like, you remember that? Not like the teachers of the law. I think if we were to retitle this whole chapter of chapter 8, it would be just authority. I think you could just title chapter 8 authority. A quick word search on authority in the New Testament. There are two Greek words used in the New Testament. Uh, do, uh, y'all help me out, Greek guys. Dunamis, dunamis, dunamis is, uh, is like explosive power or strength in numbers. And then there's um, exousia, exousia, 
I don't know, something like that. Uh, and that means ultimate authority. And uh, most of you know, and I get asked about this all the time, and Jerry loves it, so I'm going to do it for him. Um, I'll, I, I kind of like football, so I always have a football analogy. And so here's the gratuitous football analogy, okay? Um, you have a lot of, on the field, you have a lot of authority, right? There's, there's different folks with authority. And you hear about, like, that running back has explosive speed or that, that receiver has explosive moves, right? Uh, but I think, as a lineman, former lineman, uh, that the most explosive power is inside. You know, it's on the line. And you got these guys with dunamis out the wazoo, you know? I mean, these are the guys that have got explosive power. Um, but there's, there is one on the field, or actually several on the field, who have that exosia, that ultimate power. It's the guys with the striped shirts, you know? So with the blow of a whistle, with the toss of a flag, with a, with a word here or there, he could take one of those 300-pound guys and send him to the showers, right? That's ultimate authority. So you have that explosive. So there's just a little uh, football analogy for you, Jerry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, those referees, the ultimate power, those guys have got, they've got authority in the game to actually change the course of the game by who they, you know, ultimately who they, they throw penalties on or, or if they actually remove somebody from the game. It could actually change the game. And, but throughout Scripture, we're going to, Jesus, we've been talking about is the game changer, right? Jesus is the game changer. Earlier in the chapter, a simple touch Remember that? Jen talked about this. A simple touch and, she, and he healed a leper. Uh, a word and he healed the servant of the centurion. Another touch and he, and he served uh, and he healed um, Peter's mom. And then with another word, he drove out demons in multitudes. No doubt he'd proven his authority over the demons and over disease. But in this passage, we're talking about another type of authority. It's authority over creation right? This was one of the things that Kyle brought up the other night in Restore Group was that Jesus was actually, in, in this passage, is actually talking to the wind and the waves. That, and I thought it was interesting that this is the second time that we know of that God spoke into the waves, into, the, into his creation like this. First was creating it and now was calming it, right? I just thought that's kind of cool. Um, but it's showing that authority over the creation that he has. Um, when looking into scripture, we've started doing as a restore group, and, and we've kind of recommended this throughout the restore group, start doing this Lectio Divina thing, meaning uh, divine reading. And uh, what that is for us, it, it looks kind of like this. After the reading of the passage, we do a little reflecting on it, and we ask ourselves three questions. One is, um, what stood out in the story? And we can beat that around for a half hour or so. What stood out? What, was, what, what amazed you in that story in this moment? The second thing is, what is Jesus doing in this story? What's Jesus, what's he up to? What's the gospel? What's the movement of the gospel in this story? And you can look at this through the Old and New Testament. You can find the gospel moving through those stories. And then the last thing, the last thing we always ask ourselves is, what do I feel that the Holy Spirit is leading me to do through what we hear Jesus doing or what he's told us to do or what he said. So we've read the story. Um, and then I'm going to ask you guys a question real quick. And those with you with actual paper Bibles have uh, an advantage over those that don't because you could actually skim through and see this. What are the five things in the story that Jesus does? Just shout them out. 
sleeps. What was that? Got into the boat. Started across the lake, which I didn't have, so that's six. (laughs) But yes. What's that? He woke up. Rebuked. Huh? He replies to the disciples is what is the fifth one that I got. So I got got in the boat, slept, replied, got up, and rebuked. And made his way across the lake. So, yeah. Um, Interesting to note um, that the, the disciples did what disciples do, right? Jesus got in the boat. They followed him, right? You know, the, the life of a disciple, and here's, here's a pr- prime example of that. Life of a disciple is not, and, and we are disciples as followers of Christ, right? So as a disciple, we're, this is not always going to be cupcakes and puppy breath, right? We've, it's not going to be rainbows and unicorns. Uh, it, we're, we're, as a matter of fact, we're promised that there's going to be trials, and we're seeing one right here. In this great storm, storms are, in, in this story, this storm was a great storm. It's huge. And the storm was sudden. And sometimes storms are deliberate. Anybody believe that? I know this stinks to think about this way, especially in the middle. If you find yourself in the middle of one of these storms of life, um, this, is a tough, this is a tough pill to swallow. Um, but we have a Lord that will lead us into storms. Sometimes on purpose. To correct us. To test us to stretch us. Just in the last, last month, I've, I've heard tons and tons. I, yeah, I've lost track. Tons of stories of ANCers who are in storms as we speak. And it's my privilege to pray with you, and my, my prayer for you is always still waters. You know, don't we want that? And still waters what we want? Um. But in Psalm 23, if you grew up in church like me, you heard this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? It's the 23rd Psalm. David is saying that God is the shepherd and I am the sheep. Let's look where that gets him. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Any ideas on how a sheep gets in a valley? following a shepherd, getting in the boat, following the shepherd. And remember Jonah? The Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah so that it might be a shade over his head and save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. See, God does decree things for us to enjoy too. But look at what else he decrees. When dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and a sun beat down on his head, on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Let's look at one more. I'm dismantling the comfy American Jesus here. Do you get that? You see where we're going here? Job 2, chapter 2, right on the heels of when Job's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his possessions. He's lost his health and his children. Job, Job 9, uh, chapter 2, 9 and 10 says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. 
And Job said, you speak as, a, as one of the foolish women who speak. Shall we receive good from God and not evil? Pretty big storms, right? I mean, we're, we've been there. If you're not now, I mean, you will be. I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a promise. I was reminded of, uh, any of you guys heard of Matt Chandler up in Dallas or Denton? He's a pastor of the church up there doing great things. He's always been very public in his ministry. Um, and uh, about six years ago, he was diagnosed with malignant, malignant brain cancer. And uh, being the guy that he was and the, and, the, and the way that he communicated with his church, he was going under, this was a, probably a Wednesday or a Thursday, and, and he was going under the knife the next day. He had no options but to operate. And, and so he made this video, and it's out on YouTube, but it was to his church. And it was, it was just to tell them, um, I wanted to show it to you this morning, but it was about four and a half minutes long, and it's too nice a day not to be outside. So um, I'll tell you what, what it said, basically, it was this. He said, we've shut the mouths of lions, speaking of his church. We've put foreign armies to flight, and we fought injustice, and nothing but good has come here, talking about his church. And as a church, we've had victory after victory after victory. This always freaks me out. But part of me is so thankful that he's counted me worthy of this. Man, he's talking about cancer. He says, I get to show that he is enough and praise and exalt him in this. He has counted me worthy to point to him in this. And then he said, is, I think this is another interview. He said, God can heal me. I believe that he will heal me. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, before surgery, this is when he made this, he made this video before surgery, before he knew the outcome, before he knew they would get most of it and that he would have a sequence of, of chemotherapies that would actually attack the, the cancer. He said these words, even if he doesn't. Today he's doing well. Six years later, he's, re- he's recovered, uh, probably still recovering, but I think he's cancer-free, doing well. But that's a big storm. And I know some of you in this room and some of, some of the folks at ANC have tasted this, and, and some are, still are it, right now. Bless you guys. Storms come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? They come in different intensities, and they can come suddenly like the storm on the boat, when you least expect it. Maybe it's your job or lack thereof. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a wayward child or a death of a child or, or, or someone close to you. But the amazing thing about Jesus is that he's creator and author of all things, right? He has that exousia authority, that ultimate authority. And he's author and creator creator and has dominion over all of them. Does that mean he'll heal us? Does that mean he'll fix us? Does that mean he'll deliver us or employ us? I I don't know. But I want to go back to those words that says he can, and I pray that he will. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't what? Even if he doesn't, what? He's enough. What about curse God and die? 
like Job. You know, I mean, that's a lot. A lot of folks just give up there, that even if he doesn't. But I, believe, I, I think, I think you're right. He is enough. He's enough to sustain us through it. He's enough to give us strength. What's that? We go, we go like like Paul that said in Philippians, to live is Christ. We got to do the work. To die is the game. Right. So we have Jesus here who has proven his authority over sickness and of the demons. And he's preaching and healing his guts out previously in this chapter. And he gets on board and he takes a nap, right? You guys don't understand. The, the, this is not, getting up here and talking with you guys is not so uh, intense. I don't know, it's, it's weird. A lot of people have this fear of public speaking. But there's something emotionally and spiritually draining about it. So I can imagine lump onto that being Jesus and then lump onto that healing people, you know, left and right and casting out demons and all that stuff. Dude needed a nap, okay? So, so he got on the boat and he's sleeping. And the storm comes and the disciples are freaking out, right? Um, and there's Jesus just snoozing. Um, I'm reminded of, of when I fly. Okay, I don't fly that often. Some of you, we... We have folks that are flight attendants here, maybe a pilot, I don't know, but I don't like to fly a whole lot. I do it a couple of times a year, whether I need to or not. Um, but when I get on the plane, they tell you to, you know, buckle up your seatbelt, and while you're there, um, they say, keep your seatbelt on in case there's turbulence, right? So that you don't get tossed around. Or I saw that movie, I don't know, Liam Neeson the other night where he went flying into the ceiling of the plane, but... Um, Keep your seatbelt on in case there's turbulence. When there's turbulence, there's, there's a couple of kinds. There's the light bumps that go on, and then there's, there's those bangers that are just, you know, stuff's flying everywhere. And, but I always look at the, the flight attendants, don't you? I want to check their face. If they're okay, if they're still serving drinks, I'm okay. Now, when they go sit in those backward-facing chairs, strap in, and they're holding hands with the other flight attendant, I'm nervous, Okay. But I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about Jesus asleep. Jesus, our flight attendant on this boat, is sound asleep. He's not worried about this. He's not too worried about this major, major storm. And we know it's major. And I thought about this too. I think we talked about this in our story group. This is a major storm because four of the 12 disciples were fishermen. They'd been out on this lake and they're freaking out. So this is big. This is a big storm. So they wake Jesus up and he replied to them and he said, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He told the storm, peace, be still. That's not in this version, but in, the, in Mark's he says, peace, be still. Right? Um, you know what I like about this part? Is that he questioned the disciples' faith. But in this instance, I don't feel like that's a rebuke. He saved his rebuke for the wind and the waves. He had authority over his, all of it. He's got authority over all of his creation. He's got his authority over his disciples, and he's got authority over, over the wind and the waves, but he rebuked the wind and the waves. I think that that's a good word for us. When our faith wavers, it does. I mean, if you're like me, your faith wavers at times. Depending on circumstances, maybe some, you know, whatever. Maybe your faith wavers some. I don't think God's mad at us in those times. You know, I think we're told later in Matthew that if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. So take that as a good word. He saved his rebuke for the wind and the waves. 
And then the scripture said it got completely calm. And the disciples responded rightly. They responded rightly so and said, what kind of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? What kind of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? They're recognizing authority here. They're, recon- they're, they're seeing it up close and personal. They've seen it with the, the leper. They've seen it up close with him casting out demons. They've seen, seen it up close with him healing Peter's mom. And now they've, they've heard him say, peace, be still, and nature just went like that. And the disciples marveled at Jesus. They didn't marvel at the fact that the wind and waves quit, you know. They, they, they awed at who had power over them. You know, that would be kind of like if we go to a golf tournament or we're watching it on TV and we see Rory, Rory McIlroy. How can you can't say that? Or Tiger Woods. That's easier to say, but he's not having such good luck right now. But they hit the golf ball 300 yards down the middle every time, right? Ish. And then you got Kobe Bryant or LeBron or who's somebody else that, that always makes the clutch last-minute shot that goes in the basket, right? They make these clutch shots. But we're not, we're not awed by or drawn to, some of us are, the, the equipment that they use or the shoes that they wear or the balls that they shoot or hit, right? I mean, we're, we, we don't pay hundreds of dollars to go see these guys line up and go, hey, let's go check out LeBron's kicks. No, we're going to go see LeBron play basketball, right? So that's the thing is that the disciples are recognizing the, who's got authority here? They're recognizing Jesus in that. When we pray for healing, uh, when I pray for healing, I pray to and for the, the glory of God. For that to be revealed, no matter what happens, I pray that God's glory is revealed and somehow he's glorified in that. Whatever healing comes of that. And it would be ridiculous, I think, for, for us that, that are praying to God for healing, for them to us to get, be in awe of um, the doctor or the, the, the drug or the rehab or the session or whatever, I, I, and, and we're sometimes we redirect wrongly, I think, I think. Um, it's, it's easy to go to God in prayer when, when, there's, when things are down, but are we as quick to go to him to give him glory when, when he's delivered, when he's delivered us healing? You know, God... God can heal. Jesus can heal with a touch. He can drive out demons with a word. And he can calm the biggest, nastiest storm we've ever seen. And as someone, you know, I got to be honest with you this morning, I'm not in a big, nasty storm. I got to think that in a room with this many people, there's probably some big, nasty storms. And whether you're a regular at ANC or it's your first time to ANC. Um, I, I hope this is a safe place for you. I hope, I hope that, that you know this church will pray for you. And we're going to come up on a time. We're going to have communion here in a second. And Jason's going to 
lead us in that. But maybe there's something on your heart. Maybe there's something just going on in your life. We've got a, we've got a prayer team at ANC that, we, that each and every week stands in the back corner of this, this room. And if there's something going on that you really, really need prayer for, you'd love someone to come alongside you and pray with you, it'd be a great time and a great place for you to just stand up, make your way to the back during communion, and pray with someone. Again, if it's your first time here and you came to hear a hat maker, I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> sorry. But hopefully, um, we got to hear a word from God this morning. I pray that we did. So, Jason, come on up and band. And we'll pray and, and we'll take communion together. Father God, um, man, I'm just, I am awed at your authority. Um, many times we take that for granted. Many times we, we misplace our affections. Many times we, um, we trust the wrong things. But as a God who has authority and dominion over everything in his creation, including us, including sickness, including disease, including marriage, including drug addiction.